From the Christian Research Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The mission of the Christian Research Institute is to equip believers to answer life's essential questions soundly and persuasively, and to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. For more information, go online to equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Bible Answer Man host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. So excited to be in Matthew's Gospel. And right now, we're getting very close to ending chapter 8. You might recall from a previous broadcast, the last broadcast, that a teacher of the law came to Jesus and said to Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus gives him perspective. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In essence, Jesus was telling the man to count the cost. Well, today we come to the place where another disciple says to Jesus, Lord, first let me go to bury my father, and then I'll come and follow you. But Jesus answers and says to him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. And in saying that, Jesus is not negating the command to honor a parent. Rather, he is telling would-be followers that the city of God takes priority over the city of man. The soul of his dead father was now beyond the son's reach. His own soul, however, was still very much in play, as were the souls of myriad others still still dwelling in the land of the living. The son here, in essence, is likely talking about delaying the following of the master for maybe a year. While the initial burial of his father would indeed take place within a day or so, a year would pass before the son would go back to the burial spot where he would rebury the bones of his father, as it were, in an ossuary, in a bone box, and then, and then insert that bone box into a slot in the wall of the tomb. So the son was talking about delay. And Jesus was pressing upon his consciousness the urgency of the moment. Thus, Jesus, in essence, advises the Son to let the spiritually dead bury the dead, and conversely, that the spiritually alive ought to be tending faithfully to the principles and to the priorities of the kingdom. 
The words of Jesus here may initially sound harsh to our ears. But what in reality is harsh is the flowers and the flowery rhetoric, the pomp and the circumstance. All of that so prevalent in the face of a far more urgent reality. That reality is spiritual death. That reality is eternal separation from the goodness and the glory and the grace of God. We are called as disciples to communicate the gospel to a lost and searching world. For as I said last time, no one gets out of this world alive. The death rate is one per person. Everyone is going to make it. Everyone will face eternity in the goodness and glory of God or forever separated from that. Jesus always provides perspective. Jesus now does something supernatural. Jesus now calms the story. The storm that is, is raging on the Sea of Galilee. St. Matthew says, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And then without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. A storm came up on the lake so furious that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was, was sleeping. And so the disciples went. They woke him. They said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it became completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Contrast here again is the conduit to clarity. The disciples are scared stiff. Jesus is utterly serene. The disciples' faith says our Lord is, is very little, very little faith. Jesus was, was with them in the boat, but as his disciples, they should have known that God was always with them, that they were in the Father's care, that the Father was ever present to them, even if Jesus in flesh had not been physically present with them. And the Father will not allow a single hair to fall from our heads, that he will not take notice. He has every moment and every exigency of our life under his sovereign control. I must confess here that I, too, am a man of little faith. 
Thus the words of Jesus apply equally to me. Perhaps they apply to you as well. Over the years, I've experienced numerous miracles, and yet, and yet I still often demonstrate just how little my faith has grown. I say that to my shame. As Jesus calmed the tempest of the sea, I pray he also calms the tempest that, that often arises in my own soul. I pray that he calms the tempests in your life as well. It's a completely different perspective to look at life knowing that if we are in the will and the way of God, that if we are truly his disciples, that everything ultimately will be fine. For we know, as the epistle tells us, that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purposes. If you are the called according to his purposes, you can rest secure that he has every detail of your life under his care, under his control, under his concern. He cares. He deeply cares about every detail of our lives. When we come back from the break, we come to an epic portion of this eighth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, for now we'll see not only the healing of a paralytic, not only the healing of Peter's mother, not only the healing of a centurion's servant, but we will see the healing of a demon-possessed person, and not only one, but two. We'll be back in just a few moments with more of the Bible Instrument broadcast, so please don't touch that dial. How do we share the gospel when people don't care about God? When we think about common obstacles to evangelism, apathy doesn't typically come to mind. Yet today we're seeing a rise in apathyism people who simply don't care whether or not God exists. Kyle Bashirs wrote Apathyism, How We Share When They Don't Care, to address the origins of apathyism, how it has grown to epidemic levels in society today, and most importantly, how Christians might impact the indifference of apathyists and effectively discuss gospel truth with them. To receive your copy of Apathyism, How We Share When They Don't Care, Call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches during the key month of June to ensure that we end the financial year in a position of strength. 888-7000-CRI or visit us at equip.org. That's equip.org. Stay with us. Hank Hanegraaff will be back with more 
right after this. Dr. Eben Alexander's wildly popular near-death experience book, Proof of Heaven, assures us that no matter what we do in this life, only unconditional love and joy await us in the world to come. But our Lord warned that while the gate to hell is wide, the road to it broad, and those who enter through it are many, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Your generous support lets Hank Hanegraaff and CRI speak out against the lies that lead to hell. In appreciation for your gift today, we'll rush you Hank's book, Afterlife, what you need to know about heaven, the hereafter, and near-death experiences, filled with answers to your questions about life after death. Call 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org now. Again, that's equip.org. With over half a million copies in print, Hank Hanegraaff's Bible Answer Books were born out of his many years of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. He's taken his on-air answers to questions and chiseled them until only the gems emerge. Questions involving biblical interpretation, cults, science, ethics, apparent contradictions, and much more. This remarkable collection of concise answers is now even better. My goal, says Hank, is to take the complex and make it simple and memorable. Receive your copy of the complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. That's equip.org. How can you share the gospel with someone who doesn't care? As Western culture becomes increasingly indifferent to questions of faith, diverted by secularism, comfort, and distraction, Christians today encounter many people who don't so much doubt the existence of a God, but are more or less apathetic about God. In fact, for the first time in human history, a vast number of individuals are not interested to ponder the existence of God. In Apathyism, How We Share When They Don't Care, Kyle Bashirs urges us to recapture the joy of our salvation and demonstrates how to reveal the love of Christ to apathyist friends and neighbors. To receive your copy of Apathyism, How We Share When They Don't Care, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. That's equip.org. Now back to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. And we continue now with the final part of Matthew chapter 8. When when Jesus arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. Let me pause for just a moment and say that this has been a point of consternation for critics. They look at Mark and Luke, and they see that Mark talks about one Gadarene demoniac. And here, Matthew 
points out that there are two. So they think that this is a contradiction. Obviously, however, wherever you have two people, there is always one. And that's 100% of the time. If Mark or Luke said there was only one person present, there would be a contradiction. But the text simply doesn't say that. So this is a matter of emphasis. And this is why in the gospel accounts, you have complementary accounts, no collusion, but complements. And so you have a congruent whole that is painted by the four gospels, sort of like the four points of a compass. At any rate, these demon-possessed men who are coming from the tombs meet Jesus, these violent men that kept people from passing through this region. And they say, what do you want with the Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, so these are the demons speaking through the men, send us into the herd of pigs. Jesus said to them, go. So they came out and they went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off. They went into the town. They reported all that had happened, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went, went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Can you imagine? They want him to go. Why? Because they cared more about their pigs. They cared more about their industry than they did about the men who had been relieved of demonic possession, had been healed of the demons. See, Matthew here documents the reality of an invisible world. He documents the reality of a world of demons and, and spiritual warfare, a world of warfare with invisible beings. Matthew's account features two demoniacs who had systematically given themselves over to the power of the evil one. And as such, they were inhabited by demons, myriad demons. Fair to say they had, they had lost complete control over their passions. They had become, as it were, pawns in a devil's game. In this passage, we, we immediately realize the danger of underestimating an invisible war with malevolent beings, the vastness of whose collective intellect exceeds that of any human being who has ever lived. What is also plain is that human beings unaided from above are never a match for fallen angels whose, 
whose devious methods have been sharpened by malice. From the primordial garden to the present generation, Satan and his hellish hordes have have honed the craft of temptation. St. Pius, a pivotal figure in Orthodox Church history, thus warns us to pay heed to ourselves, to guard ourselves, because every hour you and I walk in the midst of, of passions and nets. Everywhere are set out, are set out traps. Pay heed. Pay heed lest you are attracted by the enemy into his will through passions and traps. For the evil spirits, they they rise up maliciously against us. And they are skilled in the art of catching men. Without sleep, food, rest, every hour and by all means they They look for doors to enter and trick us into doing evil. If you will not be attentive to such spiritual warfare, you will not escape their traps. St. Patheus goes on to say, whatever passion they notice in us, they arouse this in us and thus they place their nets for us. By nets, I mean the first thought of desires through which we bind ourselves with every passion and fall into every sin. They they introduce a thought and they notice whether there's a watchman or not. That is, they see if the thought will be received or not. If it will be received, then they begin to cause passion. And they arouse us to this passion. And then they steal, they steal our spiritual treasure. Therefore, if you desire to be saved, then you must cut off the first impulse of the thought and desire of every passion. Conquer small sins so as not to fall into bigger traps. How do we do this? Well, we do this by putting on the full armor of God. This is God's provision to protect us from evil. Says St. Paul, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, yours and mine, is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When I memorized this passage, I I remembered these, these phrases through the word rape. I remembered the the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual 
forces of evil in the heavenly realms. R-A-P-E. They seek to rape us. Literally, rape us of our righteousness. And therefore we are called to put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, but when the day of evil comes our way, then we may be able to stand our ground and after we have done everything to stand. We put on seven pieces of armor. The first of which is truth. Truth, like all pieces of the armor, is an aspect of the nature of God himself. And thus to put on truth is to put on Christ, for Christ is truth. And we as Christians are to be bearers of truth. And then we put on righteousness. We put on the gospel of peace. We take up the shield of faith whereby we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then we place the helmet of salvation upon our heads. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then we pray at all times in the Spirit. Prayer is not, in reality, a piece of the covering. It is indelibly woven into each piece of the covering that protects us against the devil's schemes. It is to the armor what oxygen is to the lungs. Only as the Spirit empowers us to pray in concert with the will of God is our covering, is our protection finally complete. Next time we pick up with Matthew chapter 9. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you next time with more. Thank you for joining us today. Our mission at the Christian Research Institute is to equip Christians to think and to live Christianly. June is one of the most important months for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. That's because we close out another financial year, and we can do so successfully only if listening friends like you stand with us prayerfully and financially. In appreciation for your vital gift to help strengthen and expand the life-changing outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, Hank Hanegraaff would like to send you Apathyism, How We Share When They Don't Care by Kyle Bashirs. Simply call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's mind-shaping outreaches during the financially critical month of June. 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. That's equip.org. You can also write to CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28271. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because truth matters and life matters more. Dr. Eben Alexander's wildly popular near-death experience book, Proof of Heaven, assures us that no matter what we do in this life, only unconditional love and joy await us in the world to come. But our Lord warned that while the gate to hell is wide, the road to it broad, and those who enter through it are many, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Your generous support lets Hank Hanegraaff and CRI speak out against the lies that lead to hell. In appreciation for your gift today, we'll rush you Hank's book, Afterlife, what you need to know about heaven, the hereafter, and near-death experiences, filled with answers to your questions about life after death. 
Call 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org now. Again, that's equip.org.